Hi guys, welcome to the Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on lifestyle design for millennials. My name's Eileen and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. You can create the life that you've always imagined. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. A key part to creating your dream life involves money. So even though I understand that not all of us want to talk about it or admit it, I am positive that we all want financial freedom. We'd all like to live a life where we don't have to worry about money. So today, I'm so excited to have a special guest on this podcast who can help you get there. Her name is Kana Campbell, and Kana is a certified financial advisor running her own company, SAS Financial, which was established in 2007. She also has a YouTube channel and a website called Sugar Mama, where she empowers women through financial freedom, covering everything from managing budgets, investing, to saving up for your perfect capsule wardrobe. You can find her on her website, sugarmama.tv or on YouTube as sugarmama and that's spelled S-U-G-A-R-M-A-M-M-A. So hello Kana. Hi how are you? (laughs) I'm doing great thanks so much for being here and sharing your knowledge with us. (laughs) Thank you for having me I'm so excited I already feel so inspired (laughs) listening to you talk. (laughs) Aww. Yeah, no, I'm so inspired by you because I feel like you're a real example of a woman who's doing it. Like you, you're doing your own thing and you're smart, you're beautiful and you're powerful. I feel your presence when I watch your videos on YouTube and also like I can tell you're very, very smart. So for the people out there who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? How did you get into finance and also what led you to start your channel? Okay, so I fell in, well, I shouldn't say fell, um, I uh, was at university studying a Bachelor of Commerce, majoring in economics and marketing, and I always knew that I wanted to work in finance, um, but I didn't really know exactly what. And so when I was at university, I was working um, part-time in a bar in Sydney, and I used to work quite long hours and do like lots of late night shifts until the early hours of the morning. And I used to make really good tips. And by the time I'd get home, which would be sort of 3.30 in the morning, I'd be so sticky and tired and gross. Um, I'd just sort of throw all my tip money into my bedside table and not really sort of thinking about it. And then a while later, um, I was, I think, studying for an exam or supposed to be doing an assignment and procrastinating, looking for anything to get out of doing that, I thought, oh, look, I'll, I'll have a look at that, all that tip money, because I could see it was starting to kind of explode out of my drawer. Anyway, mm-hmm. I pulled it out and thought, you know what, there's a lot of cash here, I better go and take it to the bank um, and get it put into a smaller denomination, because it was mainly 5 and $10 notes, and mm-hmm. turned out it was um, quite a large amount of money. Um, it was amazing how little bits of money really add up. Anyway, this was before the privacy laws came in, and I the bank I went to was the bank that my parents regularly um, go to, and they know my parents really well. Anyway, they were they didn't I didn't know who they were, but they were quite suspicious of me because apparently small normal denomination of money signals drug money. Oh right, right. <laughs> So they took my license and, um, like, I also took a photocopy of my license. And ironically, my dad, I didn't actually bank at that bank. I just thought I'll get all these five and $10 notes converted into hundreds. Mm -hmm. Anyway, my my father went to the bank that day and they said, um, 
you know, they all knew him and they said, oh, look, do you have a daughter with a large amount of cash? And he sort of said, well, yeah, I've got a daughter, but she doesn't have any money. <laughs> I said, no, 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 she came in here with a lot of ca- small cash and converted it into larger notes. And then he's like, well, what did she do with it? And they said, oh, we don't know. She just took it back home. So my dad came home and went mental at me. Uh-huh. He was like, you know, first of all, you know, that money is not insured in the house. If we get robbed, you're, that's all gone. You don't get that back. And then... Mm-hmm. The second thing, which we were, I was even more annoyed, was like, why is that money not doing anything? You should be, you know, earning interest off it. You should be mm. earning income from it or dividends or something. And like, there's, that's your money and it should be working for you. And I had no idea what he was talking about. But the next day he took me to my bank and we deposited the cash together. And we, um, I then um, invested that money and um, got my first dividend check. And wow. that was my big aha moment. And um, I remember going to my dad saying, oh, I've got this check. What do I do with it? Like, what's it from? And he's like, well, that's your dividend. Um, you know, you, you, it's yours. And I was like, well, I don't know. And he said, well, you can either spend it or you can, if you wanted to, you can reinvest it and let the portfolio grow even faster. And so I did that and um, and then – I became even more interested and more amazed at it. And wow. I was, it was like, I remember getting my first dividend check and I was like, hang on, but I, I didn't do anything, Dad. Like I didn't <laughs> work in a, behind a bar for hours and, uh, you know, and, or sit behind a computer screen. He's like, yeah, I know, Ken. <laughs> like isn't good surprise, I couldn't understand it. But that's where I went, okay, you know what, this is what I want to do. I want to yeah. show other people how to do this and how to, how to make their life um, is, or e- easier, I guess, and less stressful. Right. And from there I um, got into financial planning and um, worked for various companies and then set up my, com- my own business over 10 years ago and um, have never looked back and then started my YouTube channel about 18 months ago. Um, That's and awesome. And Chloe, I always thought about it, but Chloe Morello, who's a client of mine, um, really gave me the kick in the backside because she's like, can I – Girls need to know this. Like, this is important stuff. Like, we're not taught this at school. Our parents don't necessarily teach us this. Like, mm-hmm. this, you can make people's lives different, so yeah. um, better. And she gave me that real drive and um, kick up the bum to go and do it. And and then off I went. And she was very kind in, um, you know, supporting me and giving me shout outs to help grow my channel. And mm-hmm. so far, so good. <laughs> No, I totally agree. One thing that I was really impressed about was that you know so much and I realized that I know so little <laughs> just as a normal person because, I mean, I went to business school. I In undergrad, I graduated with a business degree and I did take a couple finance classes, but I still mm. don't know that much about investing in real life, right? Yeah, yeah. So for the regular person out there who has no idea about any of this, can you like just explain like why is investing important? First of all, how does it work? Just get real basic. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, Look, investing, it doesn't need to be intimidating. It doesn't need to be confusing. And um, it really is very simple. And you think of money just as like energy. The more money you have, the more energy you have, the more things you can do with that energy. Um, uh, Investing is um, basically, it's, I guess, like planting seeds for your Mm. future. And uh, it's a way of... um, taking charge of yourself um, financially like you would with your own health. So, you know, we spend time in going to the gym or going for a run or doing yoga or meditating, you know, for our emotional and physical health. It's the same with money, you know, looking at it um, 
you don't look at it as a sort of number crunching um, technical um, approach. So when it comes to money, there's like key elementary rules to follow. And one is um, always have some cash savings for emergency money, which I call the life account because Mm -hmm. life happens. You know, we get unexpected bills, things break, um, things need to be replaced, um, medical expenses, stuff like that. So always have a set amount of savings that makes you sleep well at night. Um, The second thing is try and avoid or just um, minimize uh, is debt. I mean, debt, it can be very, depending on what type of debt, debt can be very toxic in our life because we, if you think back to that idea of money being energy, it's borrowed energy. It's not actually ours and we have to pay it back. And a lot of people don't really understand that that concept and it's not your energy it's not your money it has you know um and and the key benefits that come from you know paying debt off and not you not being in debt and then the third key principle is putting money away for your future it's it's not rocket science um financial planning and um you you know working out your finances for your advantage it's it's just basically it's the power of compounding interest and letting it work for you and putting the right strategies in place so that it can just do it for you naturally and organically right I saw something really interesting on your YouTube channel called the $1,000 project where you Mm -hmm. basically invested money every time you got a thousand dollars right can you talk about that yeah. So the project, um, I wanted to really inspire young people, um, or anyone actually, not just young people, to think outside the square and not be trapped in the thought or the limitation of their salary. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't want, I wanted to stop people thinking, okay, well, I only earn, you know, X dollars per year. I can't afford to have an investment portfolio. That's the wrong attitude. You are capable of doing anything you achieve when you put your mind to it. So what I started to do was I wanted to show people if you think beyond the limitations and the boundaries of your salary and try and earn money or make money or manifest money or save money outside of your salary and living expenses and then use that money and actually put it to good use, look at what you can achieve. And right. so what I did was I set about set focusing and I broke it down into baby steps. I, um, I just focused on saving $1,000 at a time and – I didn't take any of this money out of my salary. I didn't take any of this money out of my savings. Mm-hmm. I did all these weird and wonderful things to um, in, to come up with $1,000 and things like selling clothes on eBay, um, Gumtree, which is Australia's version of Craigslist. Um, I had like a few quiet weekends where I, you know, turned away going to out, you know, with friends socialising. And all that money that I, you know, earned or saved or kept, I put um, in a separate account, and every time there's a thousand dollars there, I went and bought some shares. Mm-hmm. By the end of the project, I think I invested thirty-two thousand dollars over the twelve-month wow. period, and the passive income that I generated um, was about seventeen hundred dollars a year. Wow! So, and that is—I mean—that even freaks me out. I think, wow, if I hadn't set that goal for myself, that thirty-two thousand dollars would not exist in my life. Yeah, like um, it just came out of nowhere. <laughs> how exactly, do, how like, do you find an extra $32,000 in a year? I, I still can't comprehend that. It blows my mind as well. <laughs> I look, I mean, there were times where I was exhausted by this. I'm not going to wow. lie. Like There were times where I was like, I cannot wait for this to be over. And then mm. there were times where I was 
every time I, but every time I came up with a thousand dollars, it gave me a new rush of motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, obviously like I'd go through the, the emotional waves of, wow, the deadline's looming. Oh no, I've got some more time or I've got some, you know, more, you know, discoveries of things I could sell. Yeah. And, um, like I had to get creative. Like I, um, I had it and I had a few big kickers. Like I put some of my tax refund, um, mm-hmm. towards the project. Cause in Australia, most people do get a tax refund. Yeah. Um, so I put something close to the average Australian's tax refund in it. Um, I rented my house out on Airbnb over the mm. new year break when I was away. That's a good one. Um, uh, it sold things on eBay. Um, I, I did market research, like there's companies you can register with um, where they pay you and ask you like questions about what they think about certain products that you use yeah. um, and they pay you cash. Um, uh, oh, gosh, you name it, I did it. And, <laughs> um, okay, so I want to move on to tips, practical tips that young people can implement. Mm-hmm. For a young person like me, I don't feel like I have any money. Like I know that they say you should yeah. start investing earlier, but like, when do you think is a good yeah. time to start and how do you even start? Like, is, is there a certain amount of money? Like, is there like too little that you can start with? No, not at all. Okay, so first question, the best time to invest is today. Mm-hmm. The earlier you start, the better, because the more time you allow compounding interest to work its magic. So compounding interest is when you earn interest on interest on interest, and it's where you don't have to save a large amount of money because you're earning um, money on top of money, which grows um, exponentially over time. So I'll give you an example. Like say you put $1,000 um, into a, like an investment, um, say some shares, and it it grows in value from say you know one thousand dollars to one thousand and fifty dollars, but then also pays a dividend of fifty dollars, and then you put that fifty dollars back into oh. the investment. Mm-hmm. So then there's eleven hundred dollars. So you've now got eleven hundred dollars a year later in your investment, oh. and then. It pays now the same percentage, for example, say, again, you know, another 5%, but now it's 5% based on $1,100. Right, so And you get the growing. dividend of 5%. It keeps growing. And you're not really doing, like, you don't have to, you don't have to necessarily continue on adding to it. Mm. If you can, that's great because that then allows compounding just to work even more aggressively for you. Right. Um, so that's what you want to get. The simple sort of idea you want to get your head around. It's like, I think it's the seventh wonder of the world, but, um, <laughs> yeah. well, eighth wonder of the world. But, um, okay, so the, my tip number one is, uh, you know, for someone like yourself, you know, you feel like you've not got any money. Well, you first need to look at your ex- living expenses because you do have money because you can put mm-hmm. food in your stomach and clothes on your back and have a nice lifestyle. So you, you need to look at exactly how you're spending and if you someone who spends everything they earn, you need to go through and do a budget and, and look at individually, um, analyze each expense um, that you incur and work out whether it stays or goes. And then, mm. it, and unfortunately, if you are spending everything you earn, you do need to start subtracting some things out of right. your lifestyle or reducing them to help create that saving. Once you've, you know, so for example... Say that you find you spend, um, you know, two hundred dollars a month on takeaways. Well, then what you would might say to yourself, well, I'm going to cut down my takeaways. I'm only going to get takeaways two times per month instead of four. There's a hundred dollars a month worth of mm-hmm. savings. And what you do is you then consciously put that hundred dollars into a separate dedicated savings account so that you know not to touch that money and it's put away. 
and you continuously add money to it from other areas that you're able to create savings or from limiting your um, reducing you know some of your expenses um, and as that adds up you can then take that money and start investing right or the other thing you do which is I think is easier for people who don't want to cut back on their lifestyle um, but might be a bit slower is you wait until that opportunity comes around where you get like a bonus or you get a pay rise because what you do is you take the equivalent after-tax um, increase in the, of that pay rise and put that money into a separate savings account so you can't spend what you didn't in your head earn yet, if that makes sense. Right, right. It's already an extra. Exactly. And um, the thing what happens is, and this is why so many people have nothing left in their account by the end of the month, is the more money you earn, your lifestyle just goes up with that. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest, like, rat race, you know, we're all on to a certain degree. Unless you consciously make some um, powerful decisions in your actions and behaviours and habits, Mm -hmm. that that, um, rat race or merry-go-round gets harder and faster. Um, So the earlier you can kind of choose to get off it, the better. Mm -hmm. And one of two things happens when you earn more money. You either um, uh, spend, like, buy more items or you buy better quality items. So, you know, for example, if you're someone who loves to buy shoes, you'll buy more shoes or you'll start buying much better quality shoes. So, um, you know, better designer brand shoes. So if you can start kind of, I guess, taking a more conscious approach to the way you use money, you can start channeling it. And, you know, when you actually do save money, it doesn't kind of just evaporate. It's a Mm -hmm. real saving and you actually consciously take that money and do that, do something for yourself. And that might be just building up some savings that might be putting some money in some um, mutual funds. That might be money that you put in like a some sort of term deposit where the, the cash is locked away for a period of time. Or you might even start using that money to, to pay down debt because that's a big mm-hmm. thing, you know, especially in, these, in the States with all the student debt. You know, it really does hold people back. And I think it delays the motivation um, and the... Um, I guess the ab- ambition to sort of step up when you think you're, all you can think about is the looming debt, um, you know, sort of wrapped around your neck, holding you back. Yeah. You know, totally. when you're when you're debt free, you can move on to these exciting things and start building mm-hmm. that passive income. Like I've built the um, through the thousand dollar project that that's seventeen hundred dollars a year, or um, you know, that's m- money that I don't have to do anything for, and I'm going to let that keep on growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and do as much as I can to help it grow even further by continuing and restarting the $1,000 project challenge um, at the beginning of October. Right. So with so many options into like where we can possibly invest our money into, where do you recommend people start? Are there any specific resources or websites that you recommend personally? Yes. Okay, so there's no right or wrong place to invest. It's what what you understand and what you feel comfortable doing. Um, never invest in something you don't you don't get. Um, mm. There are a whole range of different investments in what we call asset classes. So, and they I'll go through the least risky up to the riskiest. Now, um, there's things you know, cash is the least risky because. The, the risk of losing all that money is very low, but that also means the return on that money is, is very low. Um, the, the next asset class is what we call fixed interest, where, for example, you might invest your money with either a bank or a government or a, a company where they agree to pay you a fixed amount. And again, your money is reasonably secure, not as secure as cash, but there's a little bit more risk involved. 
Um, you then sort of step into, you know, domestic and international um, shares and they are they are much risky. That's when you own like a part of a business, like a mm-hmm. like a big corporation. And um, so that's a stock, right? That's a stock. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you can start having a really diversified portfolio. That you know, so you don't put all your money with one particular company. You'll, you'll pick a mm-hmm. range of different companies to, and different industries to help sort of smooth that out. But there is a lot more risk involved. But there, but also yeah. the long term return is generally higher. Um, and then there's obviously property as well, which sort of sits around the risk point of, of shares and stocks. Obviously, the simplest investment that most people understand is where you, you buy property, whether it be residential or commercial or industrial. And, you know, again, you can run the risk of losing that money or reducing in value, but it also pays um, a dividend or a, a rent or interest. Um, and over, long, over the long run, is designed to grow with um, grow in value over time, but it's called the risk versus return. The more risk you take, the better the return you should expect. But mm-hmm. you know, but there's bring, more risk. <laughs> exactly, and yeah. it, there's a really good website um, where you can work out what your attitude towards risk is, and it, it takes you through about 13 questions. And it's um, ironically, it's actually a, a US-based um, fund manager, but they have this questionnaire. Mm-hmm. If you Google Vanguard risk questionnaire it will bring you the, up the link and it will go through what type of investor you are now for someone okay. who's very nervous about investing um, but wants to sort of get on board you can go through these questions and it will you know tell you what your profile is at the end and that might be like a moderate investor or a conservative mm. investor it'll also tell you the breakdown of where you should invest your money so it might say you know 50 percent of your money should be invested in cash and fixed interest and you know 30 percent should be in property and 15 in, in international mm-hmm. and um, stocks and then another 15 in domestic stocks. It, it will tell you that what it might, what it thinks it should be. But from okay. that, you can then go away and research um, and look at mutual funds that already have a preset um, diversified asset allocation that, that's similar or matches what profile you are. And that's a, a good starting place to, to build up your portfolio. You don't have to have a complicated portfolio of you know 30 different stocks that you're monitoring all the time um Mm -hmm. because it's it becomes a job too to monitor yeah well um yeah definitely um I um obviously do this for a a living but um I'm very much a what we call like the kind of Warren Buffett approach which is um Uh buy and hold um you know from a very sort of general perspective um, you know, if I buy into a, a if I buy a stock, I want to hold it for a long time because that's my passive income source. Mm-hmm. And if I'm gonna, if I think the company's doing really well, I want to keep on owning it. I want to enjoy the fruits of its success as well. So I will hold it long term. So I, I don't look at it like on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Obviously, I check it regularly to you know see if there's more buying opportunities if a stock's off um, or down in value, but. It's all a long-term vision and focus. And if you look at your portfolio too often, you can actually become emotionally attached and make exactly. emotional decisions rather than, in, you know, intellectual decisions, you know, based on facts. Um, you know, but it, yes, when you use a, a, a mutual fund or we call them managed funds in Australia, that is a great way of outsourcing, you know, that decision-making process to a team of professionals. And there are mm-hmm. a lot of great mutual funds out there. Awesome. So just to recap, it was the Vanguard Risk Questionnaire. 
Yes. Was that, yes. Is that correct? Okay. So I want to talk about minimalism and money because <laughs> you seem to talk about minimalism on your channel. So how yeah. does minimalism relate to money? Because I can assume that with money, normally people want more money, but with minimalism, <laughs> it's about having less. So how does that work yeah. out? <laughs> well, it's about having less, but it's about simplifying more importantly. You know, I find with minimalism, and it's how I fell into minimalism is um, it's a lot of the, the conversations are based around decluttering, you know, your home and your wardrobe. But um, in yeah. fact, you can simplify your finances and so much stress does come from finances and so many great benefits come from minimalism. So why not combine the two? So my key principles mm -hmm. around minimalism and money are, you know, have, you know, simplify your accounts. Like don't have too many cash savings accounts for like, you know, 10 different things. Like, um, you know, don't have more than one or maximum two credit cards. Um, mm. You know, don't have too many sort of reward programs or frequent flyer clubs or st like store cards. It's just crazy. Your, your energy is then spread far too thinly and you're more likely to slip up and forget about account or let a credit card yeah. debt get out of control or, um, you know, miss a repayment. Um, you know, if you just can just streamline your finances, you're more likely to pay attention and also to stay on top of your finances. Um, mm -hmm. it, and, you know, you know, have one retirement saving account, like minimize all the fees that you're paying, like have, just make your life generally a lot easier to manage. Because when, th when things are a mess, especially when it comes to our finances, we tend to push them away. And because we just is too big a deal in our head to actually manage it and get back on top of it. But when you can just break it down and you know where everything is, it's really easy to understand. You're more likely to pay attention. Um, you know, in that saying um, where attention goes, energy flows. So you're more mm. likely to make better decisions and, and, and start opening yourself up to attracting more financial abundance in your life. So I want to go into that. I'm sure a big part of money is also the mindset. And you talk about attracting abundance into your life. So how can we start to do that for ourselves? This is huge. Like people really underestimate the power of um, their attitude towards money. Um, it, and I see so many different like aspects of it. So first of all, you've got to understand like everyone is entitled to be financially free in their life. Like there's no punishment out there. Um, you know, you have the, you deserve it and you're entitled to it um, and making peace with that. Also, um, the respect of money. Um, you know, often I see, um, you know, there's almost like an aggression um, or desperation around money and that actually repels money. It's kind of like the idea of a butterfly. Like if you try and chase a butterfly around a garden, it's just, you're never going to catch it. But if you mm -hmm. learn to sit there and be calm and peaceful and understand that the butterfly is flowing around the garden and when it's ready, you know, it will come to you and it will come to you when you're in a great, in a, um, a positive, happy, peaceful mindset, it's more likely to come and rest on you. So, you know, uh, not you, while you're obviously going to be responsible and proactive with money, you also need to um, respect it and um, understand the flow of money. Like, so... We, you know, so for example, with the idea of greed, you don't, um, you know, people who are hoarding money, um, mm. 
it's it very can be quite negative because then when they have to pay money out, like respect the flow. So, for example, when I pay my bills, I pay them. It sounds cheesy, but I pay them back with love and respect because, like, say for example, mm. paying my electricity bill. Well, like, you know, isn't that great? That that electricity provider has already provided me the electricity to keep my home warm and right. the lights on in my house and my food in my fridge yes. nice and fresh. It supported your life. Exactly. And um, yeah. I am now paying that bill. I've already used their energy and, and their services and now I'm paying that bill. What a great relationship. Of course, I pay mm. that with appreciation. Um, and, you know, it's again, that, that level of appreciation for money is so important because as we all know, like gratitude and appreciation is what brings more. You tell the universe, um, you know, I'm so lucky that, you know, I, I have savings in my account and, you know, it, it sends more your, your way because of that, that respect and love and admiration um, from a respectful, you know, point of view and in, in a non-materialistic way. Right. So I think the idea is to not be so greedy with money, not to hold on to money too tight and really be able to let go and sit back and appreciate it for what it is. Exactly. Because greed is just a level of fear. People who are greedy with money, they're worried that it might go. And so that's fear um, and anger repel money. And also with money, like understand, respect also the flow of money, like get rich quick schemes like you know often end up burning people because of that that aggression and greed to to quickly manifest money like everyone's on their own individual path and journey like um you the more you put in the more you'll you'll get out but having a that positive mindset to money um and that admiration of what the freedom money can bring not necessarily materialistically but the choice that the values that financial being financially free brings so having more choice in your lifestyle in your life having more flexibility um having more time um having better qualities of life you know they're the they're the true aspects that you should we should think about when it comes to wanting to build more financial um stability and freedom in our life Beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, Kana Campbell. Everybody no out there, make sure you check her out online, Sugar Mama on YouTube and sugarmama.tv for her website. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so absolutely lovely to be part of this with you. Thanks for listening, guys. Make sure you check out Kana Campbell at sugarmama.tv. That's S-U-G-A-R-M-A-M-M-A TV and just check out all of her great money, finance, investing advice. This episode was brought to you by Audible, so if you guys are itching to listen to some new audiobooks, you can get a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lavendaire. So currently, I'm listening to Contagious by Jonah Berger just to learn about what makes things go viral, and it's super interesting if you're interested in, like, social psychology. All right, my name's Eileen, and you just listened to The Lavendaire Lifestyle, the podcast on lifestyle design for millennials. Bye.